You are listening to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast, a Burning Hallows production. We are your otherworldly hosts, Alora Rain and Kitty Fields. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to hit the subscribe button to receive notifications of future weekly episodes. Head on over to my website at alorarain.com to grab a tarot reading, numerology, or soul origin profile. And support the show further by visiting our Patreon at patreon.com slash burninghallows, where we not only provide supplemental Book of Shadows pages, but exclusive personal mini-sodes on topics you won't hear us talk about elsewhere on the web. Speaking of which, we'd like to give the warmest of welcomes to our newest patrons, Jayclo and Crystal. We appreciate you both big time. What? what? (laughs) (laughs) And now onto the show. In the Voluspa, the famous poem of the poetic Eda, we listen as the Volva speaks of Yggdrasil and the Nine Realms. Hearing I ask from the holy races, from Heimdall's sons, both high and low, thou wilt, all father, that well I relate, old tales I remember of men long ago. I remember yet the giants of yore who gave me bread in the days gone by. Nine worlds I knew, the nine in the tree, with mighty roots beneath the mold. Come with us on a ride up and down the Norse world tree. Step lightly into each of the nine realms and meet the Norns with us. So grab hold of Sleipnir's reins and settle in. Okay, we're here. How's it going? Woohoo! <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm riding the struggle bus, but we're here. We're doing it. <laughs> You're supposed to be riding Slipnir right now, not the struggle bus. <laughs> well, Slipnir is on four legs instead of eight at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Well, four is still good, so we're going to make it. So to kick things off, Alora, I know that you've mentioned having a dream about Yggdrasil once before. Is that right? Yes, but I don't fully remember it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because I was in a medically induced coma. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was my cousin who had the dream. Oh, I think I okay. just traveled there. That's awesome. He saw me chilling beneath the Yggdrasil with Odin. That's so cool though, that someone else had a dream of you doing that. That's just awesome. Yeah. And it was pretty cool. Cause she was like, that's why I didn't worry because I was like, well, she's, you know, well taken care of and it's going to be fine. Oh, I love that. Mm. So have you had any dreams about the Yggdrasil? I have. And it was honestly before, like, of course I've heard like the world tree concept for many years. Most people that are pagan or are on a witchcraft path have heard of it, you know, or embrace it. Right. But before I really learned about Yggdrasil and Odin, and before I knew really much about the Norse um, cosmology at all, I had a dream that 
I was in this kind of like a blank space, like around me. And there was this gigantic tree as the main focal point in the dream. And when I went to approach it, a giant like snake, almost like a boa constrictor came off the tree and pretty much like encircled me and was like squeezing me. Oh man. Yeah. I just had a light bulb moment, man. Did you tell me what, (laughs) what if, what if that was Loki way back then? I thought that, but you know, there's the, your, I can't pronounce it, but the, the serpent that gnaws at the roots of the tree too. True. Yes. That I, I associated with it, but you're right. I never thought of that, of it like that. But the snake came out of the top of the tree. Yeah. 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 Mm. And it was almost (laughs) like it, it. And weirdly enough in the dream, I wasn't scared. It wasn't like I was going, Oh my God, I'm being suffocated by the snake right now or crushed by the snake. It was more like a hug almost. Hmm. So yeah. you you could be right. And that very well could have been Loki. That's a really well, good. Because, well, I'm just saying that because when you said this was before you knew about Norse cosmology and really Odin and the gods and et cetera, mm-hmm. could have been, it could have been a claiming almost. <gasps> oh my God. That's so deep. Cause I remember having, being a teen and having like major snake dreams. So it all makes sense. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Love it. I love snakes too, by the way. I don't love their diet, so I will never own one because. Oh, right. I don't care if they're frozen or not. Dang it. Yeah, I got you. I don't own one, but I just think they're awesome. Like I I remember I was walking in this downtown city that I'm at (laughs) and there was a guy holding like his pet python, like just walking around and people I was with some friends and everyone was like, oh my God, that's weird and all this. And I was like, can I pet it? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. So if you all haven't figured it out, we were talking about Yggdrasil, the Norse world tree, as well as the nine realms of Norse cosmology. And we're going to touch on the Norns as well in this episode. And I feel like this is a confusing topic for a lot of people because it's quite complex. It is. And I'm going to be fully honest with all of you guys right now. There are parts of it that I don't fully understand. I've read a lot about it. I've dug into it. Like I've meditated on it. I still, there's a lot of, you know, um, scholars that say one way and scholars that say another, and then you have your Norse pagans and heathens today that say it's this way and that way, as far as the realms go specifically, you're going to hear a bunch of different things. I'm just going off of what I've learned and trying to put it as simply as possible for everyone to digest, you know? (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So before we start climbing the Yggdrasil, we wanted to invite our listeners, if you are near a computer or other device with Facebook access, if you go to the Burning Hallows Facebook page, You can view the infographic that we've posted that shows the nine realms on the Yggdrasil. Uh, Mm -hmm. Photo credit is given on our post. But if you can see this graphic, you can follow along visually as we discuss each of the nine realms. And if you are a patron of ours on Patreon, there's a Book of Shadows page you can print out too to take notes. Yes, for sure. I think it's helpful if if you have the ability to have the visual in front of you, but... 
Especially for this, because like I said, it gets kind of weird. It does. It's complex. It's a complex topic for sure. So what is Yggdrasil? Put simply, Yggdrasil is the world tree in Norse mythology and cosmology. It is thought mainly to be a giant ash tree, but sometimes you as well. Mm. That lies at the center of the cosmos that ties all the worlds and realms together. And basically it's considered holy, like in, in ancient times for the Norse people, as well as today, if you're a Norse pagan or heathen. It is a place that is outside of time and space and therefore was not even created by the gods. It just always has been, which blows my mind. That's <laughs> right. And I know that I, well, I was just going to say, I know that a lot of people who follow a Norse path, if you meet anyone that does, mm -hmm. the odds are that they have, you know, if they use a wand, it's typically Ash or you, mm -hmm. um, things mm -hmm. like that. Any type of wooden tool tends to be from those types of woods. Yeah. Which is really cool. Now for me, I live in a place where we don't have ash and you like readily available. <laughs> so mine are pine and oak, the ones that I have. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, you make do with what you are given, right? What so, does Yggdrasil mean? Yggdrasil means Igger's steed or translated further, it means terrible steed. So <laughs> yeah, I know it's really interesting. Igger is another name for Odin. Mm. And thus we can draw some con conclusions as to why the Norse world, tr world tree is intricately linked to this God of wisdom or the wanderer or the King of gods who hung himself from Yggdrasil for nine days and nights in order to receive the wisdom of the runes. If I hope everyone's heard that story. If not, I say brush up on it because it's good. <laughs> or go listen to the Odin podcast from last season. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> it also may have to do with the fact that Odin wanders the realms, the nine mm -hmm. realms, and thus he rides up and down the tree. So think steed, horse, riding up and down the tree as a mode of transportation. Mm. So other scholars claim steed actually means gallows. Though hmm. I'm, honestly, I'm not quite sold on that conclusion personally, but I mean, it could, it does make sense because he does hang him, himself from Yggdrasil mm. to receive wisdom. So there's, this is a lot of conjecture. You know, you're going to have one scholar that says one way, the other scholar that says the other, and you just kind of have to make up your mind or not at all. It's up to you. Right. And there's another scholar, which this is blowing my mind now. I forgot that I wrote this a while ago <laughs> <laughs> that proposes Yggdrasil actually means sacred pillar. And if you're familiar with the Germanic or heathen symbol, Irminsul, mm. it is the sacred pillar. And I, I just kind of funny, I just purchased an Irminsul amulet that I wore to the Highlung concert. And I totally forgot that I wrote this. So it's just kind of like good timing. <laughs> <laughs> so what about the makeup of Yggdrasil, like the different parts? So there's three main parts. I mean, obviously to a tree, there's, you have the branches at the top, you have the trunk in the middle and the roots down below. 
And mm. that's the same pretty much basic makeup of Yggdrasil, but it does get complex from there. So the branches extend into the heavens and support Asgard, which is the realm of the Aesir, the sky gods. So it's interesting to note the, that scholars believe this part was added into the Norse mythos by Snorri Sturluson, who wrote the Edas, and might not necessarily be part of a pre-Christian Scandinavia. Again, mm. this is all conjecture. Like we can, you know, we could debate this. We could go back and forth, but this is just, you know, something to think about. So Asgard was originally thought to exi exist alongside Midgard. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Asgard connects to Midgard via a rainbow bridge called Bifrost. And I think that that's sometimes included in things like, you know, Marvel comics and um, it's also Marvel. in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of part of mainstream, you know, media, which is, you cool. know, you, you saying this actually reminds me like or prompts me to say that side by side makes much more sense. Yeah. And yeah. I definitely think that it was a Christian add on because if you think about it, paganism as a whole is about being in a reciprocity with nature, right? Not Absolutely. above it. Yeah. Or below so. or whatever the same. Yeah. Right. Okay. Anyway, I continue. love that. No, that's a great, like perspective on it. I even think about it from that, but like that part, I think about how, when we talk about, you know, Samhain, which is obviously a Celtic Sabbath, but when we talk about that period in time and we say, oh, the veil is thin, you know, we can, we can, you know, meet the gods and the spirits and the fit and the fae, you know, more easily the veil is lifted. Right. So yeah, are they, are the gods traveling down from the heavens or are they like somewhere more parallel? Yeah. I was going to say though, uh, just because a veil lifts, a veil could be above you beside you. It, well, you know, that's true. You know what I mean? Like, let's say you're standing in front of a wall and then that wall gets knocked down. Yeah. Then you can reach across. Right. Not but up or down. I, I know I'm saying, I agree with you. We're all, we're vibing. <laughs> We're vibing. <laughs> okay, continue. Okay, okay. So, okay. <laughs> as far as the branches of Yggdrasil, other branches besides Asgard, other branches might support the other realm called Alfheim, which is a realm of the elves. I love elves. I know, right? And still others support Vanaheim, which is another realm of elves, but more specifically of the Vanir, which are elven gods. Mm. So let's also note that Vanaheim and the realm of the elves was once thought part of the earth and therefore Midgard. This is another part to why it's like it probably was once parallel more so than like up above us, right? Mm. indicating once again changes made to the nine realms by snorri stirless in the dark ages when he committed all the mythos to paper so if you all are interested in learning more about that aspect like when asgard and vanaheim were more uh of an earthly status then you can look up the author linda radish right is that how you pronounce it mm. Which mm -hmm. brings 
a question to my mind because yeah. I'm looking at Anaheim and I'm thinking Anaheim, California. Mm. And I'm like, mm, who named that? Why? Oh, oh, I wonder if there was some like Scandinavian immigrants or something. Mm, that would be a good research project. Yeah, it would. For if sure. If anybody out there listening would like to research that and let us know. Ooh, <laughs> and if you live in Anaheim, that's kind of special. <laughs> yeah. I've been to Anaheim. It's pretty cool. Oh, really? Okay. I have not. Yeah, once upon a time when I was young, I lived in California. <laughs> you know, not to like just to talk about branches of the tree and like the gods being above us. It does feel and I'm this is just me spitballing here. It does feel a little like gods were put above us at some point to make us feel inferior. Right. That's why that's mm -hmm. part of the reason why I think that Christianity was responsible for that, because I don't think that in the Norse pantheon mythos mythology, mm -hmm. the, the gods weren't above people. Yeah. They were beside people. That's why I've said before, like Snorri Sturluson, and the guy that wrote all the Edas, I feel like you have to take a little bit of it. Like you have to interpret it yourself. You have to take a little bit of it with some salt because he was, they like no one comes, comes right out and says he was Christian, but he did live during an age that they were already Christianized, you know, they were converted. And well, so yeah. some of this stuff seems a little to the Christian flavor, right? Oh yeah. You definitely have to read it within mm -hmm. the context of the time period for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so hopefully we didn't confuse all the listeners. Yes, the trunk of the tree <laughs> <laughs> represents the trunk represents the middle realms where we are all sitting currently, which is known as Midgard. And Midgard, also known as Purgatory. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> or Earth, you know, for normal people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So uh, then it gets really deep. Uh, you like that little plan? Literally. Literally deep when we go to the roots. Okay. <laughs> the three main tap roots. This is a wine have you had. <laughs> uh, this is number three. It's been a rough day. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Three main tap roots that feed the tree, that feed Yggdrasil. So there's basically these tap roots feed into three manifestations of a sacred well, which I think is really cool. Yes. Yes. One root terminates into a realm called Niflheim in the well that is Virgilmir. This is where an ancient serpent, serpent, excuse me, or dragon named Neathog is gnawing at the root which is said to eventually topple the tree over. So in the Norse mythology, the Norns prevent this from happening on a daily basis by pouring healing waters of the wells over the root in order to make it whole again. Okay. Which again is really deep. Wink, mm. wink. Uh -huh. <laughs> Another root ends in Jotunheim in Mimis Bruner, otherwise called Mimir's Well. What, what? Is that the name of our other podcast? It might be. It just it might, might be. be. <laughs> and the third ends in Orthabruner, also known as the Well of Orth or 
or weird is another way that people pronounce it. I am so glad you can pronounce all these names because um, I'm just pretending. So if I'm pronouncing them wrong, <laughs> just go with me here, people. I'm American. Okay. I'd be <laughs> no, like, sorry. I'm, 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 <laughs> I try, I try, but I'm sure it's not perfect. I'm sure someone would be like making a YouTube video about how I said them all wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> it's all good. So there were actual ash trees and other types of trees that our ancient Germanic and Norse ancestors considered a physical representation of Yggdrasil and thus were sacred places of worship like Donar's oak. So Donar, I guess, is the Saxon or Germanic name for Thor. And I believe Charlemagne chopped down that sacred oak like in, in real life, in real time. There was a sacred oak that the Germanic people of, I think it was the Hesse or Hesse region of Germany gathered at and Charlemagne chopped it down. And then they took the wood away to make a Christian church. <laughs> Aww, I laugh. Like, I'm laughing because I'm irritated more than anything, but. Salt in the wound much? Attested to in the Poetic and Prose Edas by Snorri Sturluson. We actually read a few stanzas of the Voluspa in the intro. Plus, in the Havamal, when Odin hangs himself from its branches and the Grimmanismal, then also in the Prose Eda in the Gilfaginning and Skald Scarpamal. In the Prose Edas, we get a little, little more info on the Nine Realms and the Norse cosmology in general, if you all want to look it up further. Okay, so let's talk about other cultures, world tree mythos. So apparently beside Yggdrasil or the Norse world tree, there are many other world tree mythos across the globe. But one that I wanted to touch on is the Celtic view of the world tree. Mm -hmm. So I recently have been reading a book called Celtic Cosmology. I don't remember the author, but I'll like, post it in a link in the, the info box. And I've noticed some crazy uncanny similarities between the Celtic concept of the world tree and Yggdrasil. Shocking, mm. right? It's super shocking. Not so really. <laughs> so, and I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but Kron Bathav, I think is mm -hmm. the concept of the world tree to the ancient Celts. The name translates to tree of life. And this is why when a field is cleared, even to this day, in some cases, one single tree is always left standing because it represents the cosmos. Oh, that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's really cool. And in addition, else? in addition, there's Conla's well, which is a sacred well in the Celtic cosmology that scholars liken to Mimir's well. Of Norse mythology. Hmm. Mm -hmm. We like that. We like it very <laughs> much. This is a well that may be located under the sea or in the land of promise, which is like an afterlife realm. This is the interesting part. Over the well were nine sacred hazel trees whose nuts contained nuts. Yes. Contained wisdom, <laughs> knowledge, and inspiration. Okay. I know. When these hazelnuts fell into Konla's well, they fed the salmon that were swimming in its waters. And anyone who drank the water 
or ate the nuts or salmon would acquire all of the wisdom of the universe. Hmm. Yes. But of course it was also forbidden. So it's kind of like the forbidden fruit people. Mm -hmm. This well is the mythical source of the river Shannon today. While another well, a secret well called Neshton's well, if I'm pronouncing that right, is the source of the river Bon. And I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry. Forgive me, people. I just think it's interesting how these wells fed actual geographical locations. Mm. While the wells in Norse mythology, I feel like maybe they also fed actual geographical locations, but perhaps we just kind of lost that knowledge over time. I don't know, but it's interesting to think about. Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of uncanny connections between the Norse and the, and the Celtic people that we could dive into in a full episode, but we're not going to here, but (laughs) well i think we're getting ready to get into the part that everyone's been waiting for where we talk about guards and heimers and (laughs) all of the (laughs) realms did you say guards and heinies i'm just kidding guards and heimers (laughs) (laughs) yes so the norse nine realms this is the central focus of the norse cosmology right or the norse universe Correct. Yeah. So the Norse mythos doesn't really provide clarity on the exact nine realms names, even though we would love it to, right? Or locations, but scholars have drawn some conclusions and generally agree on the nine we're about to discuss. Great. Let's start with Asgard. Yeah. And at this point, if you all have opened up the infographic or the graphic that we provided for the nine realms, it would be helpful maybe to follow along. If not, it's okay. You can come back to it. So we'll start with the realm of the gods, which is called Asgard. This is mostly depicted as being at the top of the Yggdrasil, the world tree and its branches, or essentially in the clouds or heavens, as we call them. The name Asgard basically means home of the Aesir, which is a group of Norse sky gods, including Odin, Thor, and Freak, among many others. It's Mm. depicted as a large celestial city with beautiful tall towers and an impenetrable wall. Mm. It's a fortress that protects its inhabitants, basically. Valhalla, which is very popular, I feel like, in today's times... Odin's Hall of Warriors is located somewhere in Asgard. I feel like to me, reading about this concept of Asgard, it reminds me of the Christian's heaven. So I feel like the idea of what we see as a Christian heaven, thinking like pearly white gates, walls, celestial towers, a palace, all that, I just for me, in my opinion, feels like it was influenced by the the Norse asgard oh i'm sure yeah i highly doubt that ancient norse pagans had the same view in their minds of asgard that we do today yeah i mean or it could be the opposite like what you're saying is you know snorri who wrote all this stuff down was living in a time of conversion where everyone was basically converted So perhaps the image of heaven was actually 
pushed onto the image of Asgard. We don't know, you know? Right. So the next realm um, is Vanaheim, which is the realm of the Vanir. They're another classification of gods, but more specifically elven gods who preside over fertility, earthly prosperity, and trade. And isn't Freya the main god who presides over the Vanir? Um, I think it's Frere, right? So the male counterpart, her brother? Hmm. She was, yeah, she's a part of the Vanir, but she, there's like a contract and something happens and she becomes a part of the Aesir as well, which mm, okay. we can go into in another episode. I think that's, it would take a long time to describe all that, but you're right. Yeah. She's a part of the Vanir. So it, it gets complicated, right? Yes. But this, so Vanaheim is mostly depicted as being and also also being in the branches of Yggdrasil. So somewhere kind of beside Asgard. Right. And so moving on to the third realm is Alfheim, which is also another elven realm in the branches of Yggdrasil. This realm is ruled by the Vanir, elven king Freyr. So this is where it starts to get complex, right? We're like, okay, there's two realms of the elven gods. Who mm. rules what? Can they move about freely? Like, who's ruling which realm? It gets pretty complex, but it it's just, it's super interesting too when you really get into it. What I learned is the light elves live in Alfheim and it's supposed to be like super beautiful Everything is bright and cheery. The light elves are supposedly responsible for inspiring music and poetry and the arts. But in pre-Christian Scandinavia, they had Alfheim geographically placed at the border of Norway and Sweden between two rivers, which is where it gets really interesting too. Because again, we're, we're saying, oh, these places are located in the branches of Yggdrasil, like somewhere above us. But again, like if we are taking it back to before everyone's converted, we have these places being parallel to us, like on earth somewhere. Right. So I just think this is really interesting because apparently people from this specific region of Norway and Sweden were considered fairer than people elsewhere at the time. So, and not to get real deep here, but Linda Radish goes into more detail on this in her books and how these theories and mythos arose. So if you're more interested in that, you can read the lore of Elfland. That's the specific book. That's interesting. Yeah. And those concepts are reflected in the Lord of the Rings as well by J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm -hmm. So we're going to move on. We're going to come down to the trunk of Yggdrasil, which is Midgard which I feel like everyone pretty much knows that if you don't, or if you know anything about Norse cosmology, you know, Midgard is the trunk and where we reside is the realm of human beings. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's the party place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like you can have a party anywhere, but yes, I agree. But so anyhow, so yes. we're stuck in, in Midgard. Mm -hmm, continue. <laughs> 
So then there's this, this like realm that we don't quite know where it is. It's called the Jotunheim, which is the realm of giants. Mm. Um, the giants are also called the Jotun and they're called also frost giants. And you'll, again, you might be familiar with this with like the Marvel comics or, um, Neil Gaiman talks about the frost giants. Jotunheim is located somewhere near Asgard and Midgard. We don't know where just out there. It's in a place of chaos or void, according to Sturluson. Yeah. Um, the Aesir gods and the Vanir don't often travel there unless they have to. Mm. So this to me kind of is like they're a little fearful of the giants or the beings that reside there. Mm-hmm. Or they just don't want to mess with them, right? So, but interestingly, Odin and Thor have both gone to Jotunheim. And the myths say that Loki originates there. Mm. Which to me is just bad ASS. <laughs> well, remember that Odin went there mm -hmm. to get the meat of poetry. Remember that story? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So this is the realm where Mimir's well dwells. Mimir is Mimir the god is a Jotun. He's a giant. Yes, mm -hmm. and where Odin went and gave up his eye to drink from the well of wisdom and in order to be able to see everything that happens in the world. This is how we got the rhymesters share. Are we talking about flighting right now? Or <laughs> <laughs> No, I couldn't. I was recounting that story in my brain and it's hilarious. Right, I know. I'm with you. <laughs> flighting or farting, as we said in the Odin uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay what is this one um, um how do i say this muspelheim i think so but wait i just want to say the jotunheim also just odin's mother was a giantess so she may come from the realm of giants just to mm. throw another you know wrench in the cosmology okay muspelheim i think i don't know muspelheim, okay it is the primordial realm of fire, which is a key proponent to the creation of our world. And basically what we know of it is a giant lives here who will arise at Ragnarok to destroy Asgard and basically everything else. Great. Nice. Apocalypse. Got it. Again, though, this is Snorri Sturluson's writing. So take it with Snorri, a I'm going to need you to <laughs> take it down on <laughs> Right. Next, we have some, there's two realms that seemingly merge and they're called Vartalfheim and Need of Valur, if I'm pronouncing them correctly. Again, these two realms kind of merge as one in the Edas that Snorri wrote, but were once thought to have been separate realms, according to modern scholars. So these realms or realm is located beneath the earth. So we're going underneath near the roots of Yggdrasil. And this specific realm or realms is home to dwarves. Got it. Okay. <clears throat> so we're going down now, people down under the earth. We're digging down deep. So Take it down. <laughs> taking it down a notch. It's a dark, warm and smoke filled realm where there are constant forges alight and dwarves toiling over them. They were known for their craftsmanship, particularly with creating magical tools like Thor's hammer, Freyr's magical ship, and also Odin's spear, yep. among others. 
Got it. Yes. Now moving on to the next realm, which is Niflheim and sometimes called hell. But there's also hell. Right. This is why it gets confusing, right? There's okay. a lot of this is that and this is that. And especially, I think it's interesting, especially when we go below the tree into the roots, the realms get very mixed up. And I feel like there's a lot of Christian influence here that we don't, we can't quite sift through, you know? Yeah. I'm just going to say that for the purposes of Norse cosmology, hell is separate. <laughs> I agree. And we're going to, we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. So Niflheim is alongside of Muspelheim and it's one of the oldest realms. This is the realm of ice, mist, and snow. So you have your realm of fire. This is the realm of ice. Mm. it's a primordial land that contributed to the creation of the world again just like the realm of fire right so yes. sterluson speculated that niflheim is the location of hell's realm right this is where that kind of complexity comes in and we could i kind of speculate that you know he just did his own thing when it came to recording the myths but anyway Unpopular opinion. So this is where the sick and the old die and go after that death. Though many modern scholars and heathens claim hell is beyond Niflheim. And in fact, no one actually lives in Niflheim, not even the gods. It's just literally like, a realm of ice. I feel like what you've just described sounds like hospice for souls. <laughs> like yeah, that's which go to yeah. like transition agreed yeah yeah i i know what you're saying but i i'm more we're gonna get into hell next <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i just i don't know it, it sounds like um a passageway a thoroughfare sure like yeah there it's kind of like a highway you yeah. know maybe that's where that song comes from <laughs> sure yeah absolutely yeah so the last realm that we're going to discuss the ninth realm is hell or also called Helheim. This is the realm of the ancestors, the realm presided over by the goddess or demi goddess, whatever you want to consider her hell, who takes the souls of those who die in sickness and old age and is actually required to provide them room and board according to the mythology, mm. which I think is really cool. <laughs> interesting um funny story i'm just gonna interject right here when i was telling my daughter about the difference between the christian hell h-e-l-l and helheim or the norse you know land of the ancestors i was telling her you know it's it's not as bad as what they made it seem you know it's where the ancestors go you can go there rent a room party with your ancestors and she literally looked at me and was like okay but do they have wi-fi oh my god <laughs> And I was like, oh. what? I bet they freaking do. I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, as far as Helheim goes, Odin threw Hel, the goddess, into this realm and surrounded the realm with a wall that could only be entered through a gate. Mm. If this is drawing up any images of the Christian hell, like it, it it's so yeah, palpable, okay. but one can find it by traveling traveling down the road to hell called Helvig and crossing a river of weapons. Okay. So it's kind of interesting when you think about it that way. 
if you're going to hell and you're being punished, why would you have to take a journey just to get there? Right. Right. There must be something at least somewhat relieving at the end, you know? Right. So this idea gave rise to our ancestors require requiring burial or cremation while wearing shoes. Yeah. Don't want to cut your feet. Dude. Yeah. You, you, for good quality walking shoes, they, they had to be needed, right? To traverse the road to Helvig. <laughs> Interesting. So I'm just, I've asked all of my relatives, please bury me in walking shoes, not heels. Right? Who wants to know? <laughs> and if anybody puts a bra on my dead corpse, we're going to have issues. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bury me in a thong, okay? Put me in some granny panties. I need to be comfortable. maybe sweatpants you know yoga pants i'm just i'm just going commando (laughs) (laughs) it's been noted all right it's recorded y'all hear what i'm saying okay yeah that's hilarious all right so (laughs) interestingly the idea that just those who are sick or old die and go to hell isn't even true by way of myth since balder the god goes to hell yet technically if we're going strictly by the myth that sterlison writes he should have gone to valhalla right so this is the hell is essentially it's the idea of this place as being dark and dreary or one of a torture it's a christian invention once once hell's had a hall of the dead that it actually it seemed very similar to the great halls of asgard yeah yeah like everything else it was distorted right right so if you go down you know you're going to the depths of hell but really it wasn't like that originally that was just to scare people away right yes and go ahead I think we're going to talk about the Norns. Yes. Who I feel like I've been really drawn to over the past year and they keep giving me those little subtle signs, but I feel like they're also really primal and Mm. we're going to get into that. So they're a little bit harder to reach in some ways. So for those not engaged in Norse paganism or the Norse cosmology, the Norns are also known as the fates Mm -hmm. in other, uh, pantheons practices right yeah so the norns are typically depicted and explained as being three divine sisters like the fates like you said who live in the roots of yggdrasil their Mm. job is to spin measure and cut the threads of men's destinies no big deal all in a day's work right not at all (laughs) interestingly the Norns aren't just goddesses, but they come from all realms of beings, including of the dwarves, elves, and gods throughout the Norse mythology. So I haven't quite broken this down into who is who, but one comes from each realm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. See, this makes me question. So the soul origin profiling stuff that I do, Mm -hmm. I wonder if they have, like if I'm tapping into the Norns, you could be. It's hard to determine because 
like I said, they're super primal. They're beyond what we said before. They're the Yggdrasil was there in the beginning before everything. And so were the Norns. It's very interesting. Yeah. But you could absolutely be. Yeah. Just because, uh, and the only reason I say that is just because they come from all realms, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so seeing past lives in non-human realms, I wonder if they have some influence over that work. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, from what I've seen, they come through in spider, spider web form, just for me, it could be different for other people, but. Right. So as I mentioned before, they, the Norns also are known to heal the gnawed, gnawed root of Virgil mirror by pouring the well water over it daily to keep the cosmos from toppling. Mm. Yeah. In many ways, they're above the gods themselves because the gods can't even control their own fate. Only the Norns control the destiny of all men, gods, and all things. So what have we learned? Do not piss off the Norns. <laughs> no. I don't even know that you could. Like, I don't think they give a rat's butt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> They're like Laura said, they're equated with the Greek fates, also called the Mori, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm. They're also related to the Hittite spinning goddesses Istustaya and Papaya of Bronze Age Anatolia. Mm. Yeah. There's other spinning deities that seem to have a lot in common with them, including Bershta, which we've done a whole you know episode on and, and whom I'm close to. From Germanic lore, and even Freya herself, who's also linked to spinning. Mm. So there are some people that theorize that they're a part of Indo-European people, which is why there's multiple fate and spinning goddesses across Europe and also Middle Eastern ancient cultures. Similar to how we find the world tree and the Yggdrasil, you know, that concept of the world tree spread out over pretty much worldwide. We can almost find that in an ancient culture on it from every continent. Right. Yeah. And so to just to wrap things up on the Norns and pretty much the episode, there's three famous Norns that we know of, like their names, there's Orth, Verdandi and Skold, but apparently there was numerous norns throughout norse mythology so again that's where it gets a little complex but we're going to focus on these three mm. um the first one or the or the or weird how some people are now some people pronounce it she's the most ancient of the norns and she governs the past or a set fate mm. so she's the first norn the second is verdan the which she embodies fate being made currently so the present and a skull who governs what's to come to pass as a result of decisions made in the past, which then you're just like, I'm sorry, what <laughs> is there a present or if we're just constantly like in the past, making the future, it, it gets very complex when you dig into it. Well, she seems to be the Norn of comeuppance <laughs> to mm -hmm. put it in our terms. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 
All right. Well, I feel like that was a really good episode. I hope people loved that as much as I did when I was researching it and rating it, but <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Well, I definitely learned a lot for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree because everyone goes, okay. When we think of the, I will just say this as a popular, you know, topic. When we say, oh, you know, we're Norse pagan, where are you going to go in the afterlife? And people are like, Valhalla. But there's all these other places that you go to, right? And right. Hell, which, or, or Helheim, who, which is presided over by the goddess Hela or Hell, doesn't necessarily seem that bad when you actually understand it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, shall we wrap it up? Yeah, let's let's do that. Okay. Once again, we appreciate your support and positive witchy vibes. Until next time, remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.